from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. <laughs> it's the Tiny House Podcast. This is the Elvis edition. I'm Perry. This is Michelle Tiny House Podcast. <laughs> this we re- is Mark, we and it? Mark has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> so you know why he's doing that, right? <laughs> yeah? No? No, not yet. The mic. Oh, he's even yeah, got exactly. The, he's even doing exactly. the mic. He's holding. That's exactly why. That, that 1950s version of microphone. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's called the Elvis mic. That's is it name. called the Elvis mic? Really? Well, yep. there you go. So that's why I'm doing it, Tiny Housers. We have a new mic set up in here because Mark uh, has another podcast following this one where he has six of yep. the Jersey Boys. It's four of the Jersey four Boys. So there'll be six of us. Yeah. 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 Wow. But, is that uh, why? Yeah. Yes. They're going to be in the studio. <laughs> there will be six human beings in yeah. 49 square feet. <laughs> for the how tiny long? Podcast tiny podcast studio. studio. So for how long? 45 hot oh, sauna-like wow. minutes. It's going to be hot as a mug up in here. That's oh, yeah. crazy. You know when I get dressed in the morning on Wednesdays, I always make sure that I'm dressed pretty, you know, like not scantily, but I don't wear long... Loose you clothing. Guys, yes. Yeah, you guys mm-hmm. didn't know I don't wear long yeah. sleeves anymore. I don't wear hats. I don't mm-hmm. wear boots or even socks. Because it, it gets, gets hot in here. It does, and I do an extra, you know, shot of mouthwash. <laughs> Just saying. Thank goodness. <laughs> I put on deodorant. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a very small space. It's a very small space. But I sorry, Mr. Q. What Q? You're oh, the that, that's okay. Yeah. That's yeah, quite yeah. all right. That's I am. Right. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lemonade. Um, that was a uh, Eddie Murphy joke. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, that one I got. That one I got. I thought you were doing some Beyonce. I didn't have a witty <laughs> comeback, no, but that one. one I got. <laughs> so um, our guest today <clears throat> is Maggie Daniels. Who I presume is the owner of Try It Tiny? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. She's the owner of Try It Tiny. In as I understand it, it's kind of like the um, Airbnb for tiny houses. Kind of. Kind of. Right. People can put their little tiny house up in this on this uh, property and rent it out to people who are interested in trying it tiny. Thus the name. Yeah, Maggie actually. Uh, so there's some other friends of mine that were actually talking about doing this. But you know how it is when you talk. And then you talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then you keep talking. And then you're like, you know, somebody should so do this. This is such a great idea. And yeah, we should really do th- Do you have, t- we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. Well, and then you yeah. talk again. And then you drink a little bit more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then pretty soon, God damn it, you missed your window of opportunity. And someone else comes up with this fantastic idea I've been talking about for months. That's Maggie. That's Maggie. Maggie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys very much for having me. She's so good about following instructions. Not only did she follow the guest email instructions to the letter, she didn't say a word during the introduction. Which not even a chuckle. <laughs> I know, which, which which our guests have actually said before, that's sometimes hard not, not to laugh. Because we're funny. Oh, sometimes. yeah, we're a hoot. <laughs> that's what we are. Sometimes we are. <laughs> sometimes it's true. <laughs> So, we need uh, a laugh track button, Mark. We do, that we would do. Be, oh, oh, I got we, this. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Okay. This is uh, for this weekend. So That sounds like Eckhart Tolle or something. 
It doesn't stop. This is going to go for another goddamn hour. So I will shut it up. No way, that's that's not a laugh track. That's like a... <laughs> exactly. It's like, get that's your yoga end, on. That's yeah. the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh that could be the timer. Be, there the two-minute warning. Yes. Oh, there we go. Anyway. Sorry, Maggie. So, no. Yeah, we could almost go by ourselves on this episode. <laughs> it's the third one of the day, and so we're ready as hell. Um, <laughs> I just had a thought passed my mind of male mooses <laughs> in, in the wilderness rutting. Isn't it called rutting? Yes. When, yeah. Anyway, let's just skip that one. Wow. Maggie, welcome to the show. <laughs> you think you've Thank done that three you. times Thank now. You again. Yes. yes. How did it's you? It's great to be here. Oh, really appreciating the entertainment value from it. <laughs> <laughs> Our here. prep work is awesome. <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> so tell us, um, was was uh, try it tiny, as Michelle said, an idea that you had been bent, uh, thinking about for a while, or did you just come up with it and go for it? Sure. Um, you know, I actually, you know, like a lot of other people had been following the tiny house movement from afar um, for some time. And it was about a year ago um, when I was actually just um, I'm a simple, simple person from Indiana. I'm born and reared Hoosier. And so um, I was renting my house out on Airbnb like so many people do and um, found that for whatever reason, um, people were continuing to want to book at the house. And so, um, you know, I think I think lots of people, including my parents, probably got sick of me trying to bunk up elsewhere because I was continually having to leave my property all the time for, for Airbnb hosting. And so my solution to the problem was, you know, I'll just build a tiny house and put that, you know, on the back part. I have some some land in Indiana. And that way, you know, I can rent them both out as long as I don't do the, them at the same time. I don't have to leave anymore. That was really my very uh, non-sexy segue and introduction to the, the tiny house market. Um, so I would say I was a non-early adopter. Um, and it was through that process that I started talking with builders and, and meeting other folks and, um, learned the really large challenge, which is if you want to go tiny, where do you find a place to park it? Mm-hmm. And that kind of sparked the genesis of Try It Tiny. And so, so describe in, so I described or characterized Try It Tiny. Why don't you describe it since you're the founder? What is it? Sure. So Try It Tiny, I mean, I think you did a great job, probably better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but Try It Tiny really is an, an Airbnb kind of platform for tiny houses, yes, but um, also, and in some cases, more importantly, for land. So if you have a tiny house, you can list that for rent, um, and that gives people the opportunity to, you know, that's the name, Try It Tiny, Um because of my journey through the process, I learned the importance of the land. So if you have a front yard, backyard, driveway, golf course out of season, you can list that land and then people can search and try to find places for short and longer term parking solutions. Are these lands vetted with regard to local regulations and the ability to live in, for example, an RV longer than 30 days? Sure. So it depends on the property. Some of them are intended and and stipulated in the listing for short term. A lot of our land is uh, zoned ag, which in many parts of the country um, gives a different set of rules and and 
in some cases, flexibilities, in huh. some cases not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had a section, a group of hosts that have actually gone through the variance process. If it's something that currently isn't permitted, um, they've actually gone through that process. Um, some hosts were coming to me as legacy hosts and they were doing this, you know, on their own. And this just gives them a more uh, robust platform to do it. Yeah. How many, how many pieces of property either expressed in people or acres are on your platform? Sure. So right now we have just under 200 properties listed. Um, today marks the four weeks that we've officially been launched. Wow. And how much, how much revenue is your company making? Yeah. So right now in terms of, well, I would say in terms of gross bookings, um, so uh, total rent dollars were, were running around 10000 right now um, for the month, which again, that's gross bookings. That's not... Um, Revenue dollars for Try It Tiny. Right, and how much do you? How much of that do you share with the uh, landowners? Sure. So um, Try It Tiny actually doesn't earn any money from landowners. In fact, we actually lose a little bit. Oh. Um, we uh, hosts can sign up for free. We market their property for free. In the event that they're booked, we actually share in the payment processing and the payment verification process with them which otherwise would be around four and a half percent or something. And, and we, um, we pay 1% and they pay the three and a half. So simple example, if a property is booked for one night at a hundred dollars a night, that host takes home $96 and 50 cents. Got it. So, um, this has given me a great, um, you've noticed me on Facebook actually tagging you what, like six times a day now, um, because it's given me a great reference point. I love point. it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's given me a great reference point. One of the most common questions on Facebook or in the chat groups, the various chat groups are, uh, I'm thinking about moving to this or visiting or going to this area. Where can I find a place? Or, Hey, I have some property. And I mean, it is just so common that it is. This is a this is an idea whose definitely whose time has come, but as Maggie knows from my experience, um, hosting is not all rainbows, sunshines, and ponies. So, um, Maggie, do you want to tell them a little bit about the story of of sort of some of the the problems that you're trying to get ahead of? Sure. I mean, I, I definitely think that with most platforms like this. Um, and I don't claim to be an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but a, a lot of times it's natural for the, you know, the founder, the entrepreneur, the person looking at strategy to focus really on the guest's experience or the person that's traveling their experience. And while it is important to keep that in mind, um, to, to Michelle's point, it's also extremely important to keep in mind the host. So for example, um, Actually, through our discussions, you know, I was enlightened in the very um, beginning phases prior to launch that, you know, oftentimes um, inquiries about traveling or staying on someone's property are really initiated with a peppering of questions and um, just more information gathering from the hosts, which really, you know, they're they're the ones that own the property. They're being gracious enough to offer it up to share it with someone else who's on a journey and really help. And so to be met with a lot of, um, I, I guess for lack of a better term, you know, fishing type of questions where they might not even ultimately own a tiny house yet, or maybe they haven't even, uh, set aside the, the savings to hopefully go build one yet. Um, 
it became a real burden in a lot of previous scenarios for for those hosts. And so what we're in the process of launching currently is a new phase of features um, that's going to further protect our hosts from, you know, kind of just the initial uh, private information securities and, and also provide a platform for the guests to be able to see what questions have already been asked and uh, and learn from them. Maybe there are questions they weren't they, they didn't have, but now they have the answers to more in a forum type format. Um, so hopefully it will kind of uh, inform our guests and alleviate a little bit of the burden on the host too. Did you say you have 200 total properties or, or physical property? In other words, how, how many is just land with no homes? Right. So about 80% of the inventory is in the form of land. And then 20% of the inventory is in the form of the tiny houses themselves. So you can list either on the platform. And we have about 200 listings, just under 200 listings available on the platform right now. So how did you find, because I understand the tiny house market a little more, I guess, too. How did you find that many pieces of land in two weeks that were willing to make their property available? Sure. Um, so yeah, like I was, so today marks our four week mark of being launched, but I've been working on this for about a year um, in terms of planning the whole schedule, you know, making sure that I had enough money to, to go ahead and quit my full time job and do this full time. Uh, so a lot of process in terms of, of that what's taken up that last year. But um, what's really been working so far is when I actually can go and travel. Um, and, and try and meet potential guests. And, um, and then from there, you can use all kinds of digital advertising um, and marketing, phone calls. I think uh, I'm trying to build relationships with a number of the builders um, and the tiny house builders in the community. And, and, and that often gives me more perspective on their markets and mm -hmm. where, you know, where the demand is. And typically, if you can um, quantify to some extent that demand, you can then better articulate your message to the potential supply. Um, but it's certainly a challenge. Uh, I understand now more than ever why um, the need was there and hadn't previously been filled. It's, um, it's nothing other than pure hustle to try and get people to, um, to sign up. But did you but did you find did you go out and find these landowners or did they come to you after you basically put the word out that you were going to do this or do you, did you go through manufacturers to find the landowners how did you how did you find these people Sure so in the beginning I was it's exclusively me going out and I would say even now it's probably 90% me trying to approach them uh, I've knocked on doors. I've gone to events in the agriculture, like in the ag industry, to try and talk with um, larger landowners. I've talked to um, commercial farming corporations to try and see where they distribute their products. Um, I've done wineries, breweries, orchards, llama farms, um, uh, and then neighborhood um, neighborhood flyerings. Um, so it's really been, I'd love to say that I had this secret sauce um, and that uh, I'm just quite brilliant. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's been much more of a grassroots approach. <laughs> the secret sauce is always rubbed on really hard work. That's right. You know? Yeah. Um, so so <laughs> one, of the th one of the questions regarding that then too is, so I would assume that in a lot of cases with, with this land, putting a tiny house in this piece of land probably doesn't work with the local government 
body because it's, it's, you know, it's illegal to live in an RV or a tiny house often. I assume you're out of that argument and you're just connecting somebody with a tiny house then with a chunk of land and you'd stay out yes, of that. I mean, you stay out of that then. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So obviously it's a huge concern and something that's really prominent in the industry. And I think that we've got a lot of really great people that are focused on that. Um, and I do what I can to continue to support that effort. Unfortunately, you know, Try It Tiny really isn't in the business of, of that aspect right now. Um, it's been more than time consuming uh, to our capacity to, to try and handle this one solution. But, I, but uh, I really think that we've come a long way. There's a lot of ground yet to cover. Um, but hopefully starting this effort now will then make it a much more robust and useful resource um, when the regulations catch up, you know, more broadly than they are today. So I have, a, I have an interesting three-sided experience with this. I have a space for rent as well as I'm looking for a space for a rental as well as I have a space for a permanent home as well. So um, I think what you can provide or um Actually, let me ref- put this in the form of a Michelle question. Oh, here comes the three-parter. Get uh, your notebook I out. I think what you can provide is Uh-oh. sort of like okay. <laughs> <laughs> point, them, point, them, point the land house or point the tiny house people in the right direction to be able to ask the right questions. You know, what is the ADU right. rules or what are the temporary occupancy of RV rules or, um, you know, again, kind of making sure that everybody in the, in the transaction understands who is assuming the risk of, mm-hmm. you know, problems that come down the line. So um, I think it's very valuable to have a, a third party in that relationship. And that's, um, I think, a lot of the, the value that this kind of an idea. Can you tell I'm a fan um, that this kind of an idea <laughs> provides? Well, again, I'm a fan because I see so many, um, so much of it, so many the question asked so many times a day. And it's just great to be able to point them somewhere and give everybody the opportunity mm-hmm. to connect. Mm-hmm. And where are you based out of? So it, I feel a little bit like a nomad, but I still claim Indiana as home base. Um, and so I'm, that's where I am right now, actually. What do you, so what were you doing? What was your full-time job before you quit? Sure. Uh, so my background is in uh, finance and accounting. I, after undergrad, uh, moved from Indiana to uh, Manhattan. I did investment banking for about seven years. And then I uh, worked on strategy for a commercial real estate portfolio company. Okay. So it was a a bit different than what I'm doing now. I guess you could triangulate a little bit on the real estate side, but it's a far different animal uh, today. Interesting. And, and you, so you haven't done a startup or been part of a startup before? No, I haven't. Um, You know, I I have a, my family has some entrepreneurship in it, um, but I've never personally participated in a startup or attempted one in the past. Mm. The reason why I'm asking is because you speak just like one. And the, if, if there is an archetype, Uh oh. no, it's a good Mm -hmm. thing. And, and, (laughs) and it sounds like you are approaching this like that and just basically hustling to make it happen. And you're, you're getting the results that I think many people would be envious of right now. Mm-hmm. Four weeks into your launch, and you've already got ten thousand in gross. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, good. well, no, that's not my revenue. That's my host really <laughs> revenue. Uh, right. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, I definitely would say that there's a, a lot more wood to chop. You know, it kind of pains me each time there's somebody that says they need a place to stay and I can't find it yet. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more room to grow. What is your business model then? 
Sure. So, um, as I said, so I don't, I don't make money off of hosts. Um, but, um, there is a nine and a half percent service fee that's paid to the guest. Um, that fee is, um, in, with respect to just a traditional, like you think of an Airbnb or a VRBO model in terms of the, the gross revenue booked or the gross rental rate that is booked. Um, and again, then other than that, I just I handle all the uh, payment processing and verifications for that too. Oh, you. Um, so, I'm sorry, Maggie. It's Maggie, an add-on fee to the guest. Right. She said. Yep. She said paid by the guest. She or paid to the guest. She meant paid by, by the guest. The guest yeah, I yeah. think that's yes. where I got. Confused. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. I got See, confused. That's what. That's Go and compliment me on the way I talk, and I'll just mess up. <laughs> no, 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 just like an entrepreneur, you just keep on talking, and even if it's not right, you just no, no. That's what I was. No, that's right. Yep. <laughs> So, um, so do you have any partners in this endeavor, or is, or is it just you? Uh, it's just me right now. I'm in the process of hiring um, <clears throat> definitely one full-time person and potentially a part-time resource. Um, I did do a fundraising round at the end of last year, so I have uh, invested supporters, but I do not have any partners at the time. Wow. Did you, did, did the investment, was investment banking good to you? Uh, I think that's a difficult question to answer for most people that have gone through it, but, um, (laughs) net, net. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't trade that time or what I learned, um, really for anything. It taught me a lot, mostly about Mm self-discipline, um, and, and just how to kind of be meticulous about work and things like that. But, uh, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Finance and accounting, I think would do that to a person too. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) because <laughs> you have to be on it you have to be on the details and the numbers right mm-hmm. <laughs> so um maggie are you still there yes okay um you didn't answer those last couple comments so we just thought you had dropped off the face of the earth oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's okay. i think maybe i was nodding okay. <laughs> yes, yes. okay um i guess you can't hear that <laughs> <laughs> so um well, fantastic. So this thing is all yours and you got some investors on board and you got a nice little business model planned out there. What do you, do you live in a tiny house yourself? So I have been, yes, but I do still have a, like it's a modest ranch size home that sits on the property with my tiny house. However, I've been staying in the tiny house. Okay. Um, and you, so I still have Home. Sorry, sorry. It's it. We got a little delay, so we'll have a little bit of back and forth, kind of, with the technology. Do you do you own the land that your tiny house is on? I do, I do. Yeah. Um, fortunately, land is a little easier to come by in Indiana, probably, than it is um, out out in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so I was fortunate enough to to snag a piece of it. Nice. Is in this is you wholly purchased, or it came from your family, or something like that? This is me wholly purchased. So pretty much when I when I left investment banking, I, I I don't know, maybe I went rogue a little bit because what I ended up doing when I moved home, which already created enough head scratching for folks around me, but then I went one step further and I moved to rural Indiana um, and I'm surrounded by um, corn and cattle farms. Um, and so I went, went from Manhattan to here. Um, but what it did was gave me some peace and quiet and a little bit of space that I was, um, itching for, albeit outdoor space. Um, but for that reason, yeah, I, kind of took some of that savings and invested it here. Which do you like better? Green Acres or? Indiana. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I do feel like Green Acres sometimes when everything starts to go wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Boop, boop. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so you were you were in Oregon very recently. Um, what were those circumstances? Yes. Yeah, so I went out um, basically to pick up the tiny house, which was being built in Idaho. Uh, I drove from Indianapolis, um, picked it up in Idaho, towed it from Idaho to Portland for the tiny house conference. Um, I will be... I'm hoping to spend a considerable amount of time out um, just uh, southwest of Portland um, where I've got um, a couple of hosts that I'm working on or I've been able to convert into listed hosts online. Um, and um, But I was there for the conference, and then from there is how I, I towed the tiny house back from Portland to Indy. Your own rig or did you rent? My own, actually. Nice. What do you yeah. have? I actually, this is quite a story. I have an F one hundred and fifty, which that's most, weak. That's a weak most vehicle. Most time, I yeah. See, this Michelle's is what I was just going to say. That's most a half time I say ton. that, and that's the response. Yeah. But Whoa. I will tell you that my ten thousand pound tiny house was it. It worked so well. Uh, granted, the truck is new, mm-hmm. and it's the you know the EcoBoost Max Tow package. Mm-hmm. It handled perfectly. What's the engine size um, on that? It's a V6, isn't it? I think it's a yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a three six liter yeah. V6 engine. Okay. Huh. It's so you have to do the the EcoBoost to get it right. And because I was giving trading in my only other vehicle for a pickup truck. Um, as my sole mode of transportation, I, I basically walk into every dealership saying, I want the smallest pickup truck you have that can tow 11,000 pounds. <laughs> and so uh, I, did a, I did a ton of research. I got a lot of crazy looks. And even now when I tell people what I used to tow it, and they don't believe that that truck towed that tiny house home. Um, and it did, and it did great job. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to spread the word for people that maybe don't want a, a really large truck or don't have a second vehicle, um, you know, because of, uh, obviously, for a lot of reasons, maneuvering and gas and parking mm-hmm. and things like that. But, um, yeah, so I'm proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting recommendation. I've been thinking about actually buying a truck myself as well, and I wouldn't have even thought of an F-150. Yeah, I mean, me neither. F-250 at the minimum. Yeah. So that's interesting. And that's what everyone says. So I completely agree because even when the dealership was telling me this, I didn't believe them for a long time. I I was probably the most annoying Ford customer that has ever stepped foot in the dealership because it took me months and months of debating them with information I didn't really know. Hmm. Um, So, (laughs) um, but I will say it, it did well if you're looking for one. Even going up the steep hills that you had to go through to get out of Oregon, you had no problems? Even doing that, the engine didn't overheat. It stayed cool. Now, granted, I wasn't flying up, you know, through the pass, through that part. And on the way to Boise, you know, sometimes I was going 35, 40 miles an hour, but I was getting somewhere between six and eight miles to the gallon. So um, it's not it's not that dramatically different from most of the other trucks out there. So I do I do think they've made a lot of improvements. in tow capacity they and in the way have. that they handle. So. They must have. Yeah, and that training, I, oh I wonder. God, I that's know. That's fascinating. It's that's incredible. really interesting. Really, really interesting. 
So what is what is your what do your friends think about what you're doing? Are, are, let me back up and ask a different question. So I presume having lived in Manhattan, you met a lot of like white collar friends, right? Uh, well, actually, you know, I, I suppose that's true. Although Manhattan's pretty diverse, um, I had a lot of friends in the arts, and um, actually a lot of friends in the arts. And um, but of course, there's a lot of uh, more you know corporate executive. Right. Um, hopefuls and things like that out there. Yeah. What did they, did you, well, did you know that you were going to start this company when you left your uh, job? No, I didn't. Uh, You know, um, this, you know, that was probably a year before it's time before it started coming into my head in terms of things that I wanted to do because it's been a couple years now since I'm, since I left there. Um, and so, um, you know, certainly I keep in close contact with all of them and the, and the folks here, you know, it's, it's interesting if you talk to people from Manhattan about tiny houses, we all lived in a tiny house effectively from a square footage standpoint. They're all like, yeah, big deal. You've got what a loft. <laughs> um, that sounds nice. Yeah. So, uh, um, it's a little bit different. Whereas, you know, actually in Indiana, usually you get, um, it, there's maybe a little bit more of a learning curve, um, with the folks here just because it's not as prominent yet. I'm sure in Indiana, when you say loft, they think hayloft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a lot of other kinds of lofts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Barn lofts and, and everything. Yeah. So, so what is your, so what do your friends think about what you're doing since you stay in touch with them? Sure. Um, so, you know, friends here and friends on the East Coast, you know, I, I'd say generally I've got some some pretty good ones. They're all really supportive. In fact, um, you know, now I'm in now I'm to the point where I can actually be hiring. But my my best friend was that um, my two best friends are the people that have been kind of helping, whether that's from a emotional and mental standpoint or actually, you know, <laughs> attending conferences with me mm-hmm. and uh, walking me off the ledge and, <laughs> you know, handing out brochures again. And so um, I'm really lucky, I think, because um, it's definite. It's, everyone always says that, um, you know, doing a startup is difficult or, you know, taking that risk. And as, as we all probably have, have tried at some point in some capacity, and it certainly it's, it's no joke. It's really difficult. So uh, I'm actually lucky because I think that um, everyone's been pretty, pretty open and supportive. What would you, so far in your, on your journey, what would you do differently had you known what you knew now then? Oh, good question. Um, I think I would have, I would have waited to launch. Because? I, I would have tried to have more places. Um, it's not just about getting a listing. It's getting the right listing. You know, the, it's not just getting land. It's getting land in a place that people really want to be. And, um, and I think that, um, I think that would have been one thing and I would have had some additional protections in place for, the hosts that were agreeing to sign up already done. Nothing has happened dramatically that makes me say that necessarily. Although, it, like I said, it pains me when somebody says, you know, they really want to be in X Y Z city, and I don't have anything, and I, and I, it, a week goes by and I can't find it yet. Um, I can't stand that, and I know it's important for them, and that's what I'm hoping to. Pr- you know, provide a solution for. So it, it feels nothing shy of a huge failure when that happens. 
Um, but I would also say that, you know, sometimes I feel I should have already protected my host too, conversely. So there are a couple features that, you know, I was trying, I think, to um, help whoever I could as quickly as I could and maybe um, could have taken a little bit more time to build out some additional features and in inventory. So are you pretty much a dirt hunter where a person will come to you and now that they know who you are and say, hey, I'm, I'm really looking to locate in Portland, Oregon with my tiny house. And then you go something like, that's fantastic. I've, I've, maybe I have just the, per, the, the property and then you go and try and find one. Is that what happens? Um, it happens a lot. Um, I haven't heard dirt hunter before, but you know, I might, I might take that and borrow it. Hashtag, um, Hashtag dirt hunter. <laughs> yes. Hi, my name is Maggie and I am a dirt finder, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, obviously you, you hope that you've got something that's, you know, in, in the area that they're looking for when I don't have it, I do get, you know, probably, I don't know, 20 of those emails a week. Wow. So 20, 20 emails out of all you get, all, all the emails you get in a week are people asking that you don't have an answer that's good for them other than like, I work on well, it. Um, well, I guess that are, um, not necessarily where I don't have an answer. Um, but where it's a very specific place. And maybe I have an answer that's in draft mode. Oh, that, thankfully that's been the case more recently than not, but, um, uh, or I've got at least leads and stuff like that that I'm able to convert. But there are definitely some that I just don't have an answer for yet. Are I guess there... that's the... Well, she's one girl, and it's a really big country. Well, yeah, I know. And I was going <laughs> to ask next, is there, is there, are there any places that stand out as the most popular places that people want to put their tiny houses? Um, I wouldn't say anything that would surprise you. I would say that, you know, obviously the Pacific Northwest is a popular area. California is a popular area. Texas, North Carolina are popular, but I would really say it's it's kind of just like the entire trend and any other progressive trend, it tends to start, you know, in the smile of the United States surrounding the coastal regions, and then eventually it trickles in towards the inland. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wouldn't say that it's anything dramatic. Um, and, you know, as long as we continue to keep adding inventory daily, which we have been, um, that that's what gives me the most comfort. You know, it's, it's, on one extent, you know, you, you always have to keep this in a two-way marketplace, the supply side and the demand side. you got to keep that pendulum, you know, swinging both time, both ways and keep that a little bit balanced in terms of which one uh, outweighs the other at any given time. So I, I, guess, I guess I gain some comfort in the fact that we continue to add to the supply side um, steadily, um, even while we're trying to identify some of these other pockets. Interesting. Are you contacting people on Craigslist that have that have posted, uh, you know, my parking is available for tiny houses? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Craigslist is, is a great for that. Um, it's a great resource for finding people that have parking spots. And it's also helpful to identify folks that um, are looking for parking. Um, then in addition to that, we do run um, we do run some some code analysis identify other landlords um, on a much more macro scale. Um, and so that kind of gives you a, a large pool of data to kind of start trimming down to identify places that might otherwise, you know, that might be available that wouldn't be identified as a tiny house parking spot or an RV parking spot. What do you mean when you say data analysis? What's specific? Sure. So um, running, running um, various like, uh, uh, 
you can run various formulas um, across large pools of data, of real estate data, you know, because obviously it's it's all publicly available information. You can get it on GIS in each individual counties. You can sort by parcel sizes um, and then try to um, reach those landlords to see if it might be of interest. Because a lot of this process is definitely about education. Um, Again, if you're not in if you're not in some of the um, much more tiny house popular um, areas, you know, it takes a conversation yeah. Um, at first. And, and so the perfect landlord might not be the perfect tiny house owner, um, in most cases. And so, um, you kind of have to make sure you're, um, educating on both sides. It's interesting. So how do you go about, let's say I want to, uh, take a vacation to Woodby Island and rent a tiny house there. Uh, and I'm not seeing that in the search results of the website. How, how do you go about trying to fulfill that? Sure. So um, if you want to rent a tiny house somewhere, um, that's a that's more of a two step process, because if I don't have the land and I don't have um, a unit already there, meaning there are no listings, then first I have to first I usually source the unit because I also have to now consider transportation. Um, And so depending on the location, that's when I usually go to there's a a pool of folks that at least I know who have units that are willing to be mobile, um, that we can then move to a particular parcel. And then, um, like I said, I can run some research on that area, um, and do some sort of data analysis there. I can place ads there just the every, the, uh, everyday startup kind of marketing strategies that you would do to target any new market. Um, you employ those and you hope to find that piece of land. Last resort is I just drive there and try and find it. Um, and then we orchestrate that move. Things like that obviously are much more capital intensive than um, if I can actually just source it organically yeah. or through um, the other marketing strategies that are already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends. Very interesting. So the <clears throat> you a lot of what you're t- describing, you wouldn't. I don't think you would have known had you not had your real estate experience. Would you agree with that? I think I probably undervalue how helpful it was. I was gonna. Yes. I was gonna. I was thinking you would say you would have said that because, and I'm glad you're being honest because you've been immersed in it so much. It probably seems like it's right at your fingertips, but most people don't. I don't think most people would know even what GIS stands for. I mean, I know mm. what it stands for because I worked in the federal government. And I'm familiar with that tool. But I think most people wouldn't even know where to go to find this kind of data that you have at your fingertips, basically. Yeah, and that they have at their fingertips, too, actually. Yeah, because it's public. Um, it's yeah. a fair point. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think you're probably right. I, I do think I probably um, undervalue that time. And not just and not just the the knowledge base, but also and also the hustle, but um, also the persona. Um, I I never had a hard time at all trying to find a place to put my tiny house, and everybody's like, oh well, that's you know, well what did you do? Well, I went out and I talked to a bunch of people and I knocked on doors and I hung <laughs> up flyers and I put ads on Craigslist. So I think you have the right persona as well. You know, cold calling, not being afraid to walk right. up and knock on someone's door right. and go, hey, this looks like a lovely place. Would you like to make a little <laughs> bit of extra money by hosting a well, lovely see, family? I think I could probably use you actually because <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Come off disingenuous here. I have a lot of days where I do not want to pick up that phone 
phone or I don't want to go <laughs> knock on the door and I do my own little pep talk just to trot up the sidewalk and, you know, right. get the door slammed in your face or something. But I don't, I, so I don't want to mislead anyone here. It's, it's, that's not my favorite part, but, um, more often than not, you get really good people on the other end. Yeah. That's, that's something that many entrepreneurs deal with is mm-hmm. that resistance that to go and sell or even market. Right. That's what holds most of them up is yeah. the fear of that. They love the idea, but right. it's hard to go sell and get money. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, you know, or whatever it is in a startup. Um, you know, one of the things I found that was pretty tedious when I was working on some previous projects is is accounting and bill paying and web development and, and, you know, keeping everything current. So there's so many, you know, when you are an entrepreneur and when you're running a business like this, a business like Maggie's, you're it. <laughs> and you got a lot of balls in the air right exactly. at all times and you never know if one's going to land today or 15 balls are going to land today and how how far you're going to have to stress yourself to take yourself to the yeah. next level mm-hmm. yeah thankfully that when the balls drop many of them tend to bounce it's not like one if you drop a ball it's going to screw the whole deal mm-hmm. right but understanding which ones are super important the that have to be dealt with exactly right. right which ones have to be dealt with right this minute and which ones that you can put off for a day and a half while you nap exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a very important thing that all interpreters mm. should learn i nap as much the as i possibly art can of napping yes sir and then there's always the new shiny ball that's exactly Ooh, right let's pay attention to that one yeah, yeah. I know some entrepreneurs that get all caught up in the new shiny ball, though. That's like oh, kind of totally. like all yeah. what they do. That's the challenge, right? Because right. all of a sudden you start focusing on that new shiny thing rather than the stuff that's working. Right. And especially mm-hmm. when, you, when you're feeling resistance with the thing that you're currently working on, the new shiny ball looks even shinier mm-hmm. because it allows you to not have to focus on that thing you really should be doing, like picking mm-hmm. up the phone and calling somebody. Mm-hmm. Or napping. Or napping. Or napping. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so Maggie, it's um, what do you what do you see? Uh, obviously, you're bullish. I don't know if that's the right investment banking term, but you're is it right? <laughs> bullish bullish means you're you're pot, you're optimistic. optimistic. Yes, yep. you're bullish on the tiny house market. What do you see going forward for your business? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, I don't. I again, I am. Um, I guess. I guess I think I probably know the real estate side more than I know the tiny house side. Um, but I've been around it at least long enough to know uh, a few things. And one thing I think that will continue to trend this way is, um, you know, maybe um, a larger group. I think there's going to be a broadening of the audience that decides to uh, have its own a tiny house. And whether that's because they decide to use it as a rental, um, which has been a, a huge trend. Um, and a lot of the builders are commenting, too, about the builds that they're doing purely for the sake of rentals, which on the buy side, who's what they want to ultimately use it for. Um, but also I think that there's going to be this demographic that wants to, you know, just own the tiny house for, you know, or rather in lieu of a vacation home, um, or in lieu of a timeshare and, um, you know, just have it as a, as a way to travel, as a way to spend time together and get away, but then come home to their traditional stick foundation home. Um, and so I think that we're going to see a, a broadening of, of uh, interests and the avatars of people that want to ultimately own a tiny house. Um, so I'm hoping that that also facilitates a little bit more um, uh, uh, folk 
focus um, on the mobility of them as well. Um, because, you know, a lot of tiny houses are very difficult to move. Mm -hmm. And so if, if this becomes a, a market, and I think it's definitely trending that way, um, in addition to just the growing awareness of the, of the traditional tiny house spire, I think that that's going to hopefully become a focus too, because um, I, I do think that that would be a nice feature to have kind of move forward is the mobility and the ease of being able to move them. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, so Maggie, it was great having you on the show. Uh, very, this hour flew by. Um, yeah, it did. It didn't it? It's, mm -hmm. And it's just been really yes. great and full of, full of good information and, and lots of sharing. And so congratulations on your launch and uh, wish you the best success going forward. And I am absolutely 100% confident that you have a fan in Michelle. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thanks, Michelle. You're At least welcome. I have one of the three. That's pretty good, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, Tiny Housers. So uh, y'all listen to yet another really good episode of the Tiny House Podcast. You ought to go to iTunes and find that that subscribe button and you click really on should. it. Yeah, you really should because you'll get more of these wonderful shows with interviews with wonderful people like Maggie in your inbox. So please feel free. Go to iTunes. Subscribe. And subscribe. Get a tingly feeling. In your shiny <laughs> balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next week. Try it tiny. Namaste. See you on the flip side. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 